Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we are talking about The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 4, with Paul Hoppy and Ashley Coffin and myself, Matthew Fox. We're talking about Moff Gideon's secret plans, how the child will steal all of your snacks, and what happens when an actor who has a lifelong love of Star Wars gets to be in it. All that and more after this commercial break we have no control over. back. This is Matthew. I'm joined, as I mentioned, by uh, Paul and Ashley. Paul, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing good tonight. I've enjoyed this episode. It's been my favorite episode this season. It's actually awesome. the only one that I'd say I just unequivocally loved. Um, okay. And yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about it. Cool, cool. And Ashley, how are you doing tonight? How are you feeling about this episode? Good. Pumped. That was nice. fun. A lot of, I love an action. Uh, you know, a nice action-filled episode. Yeah, we did. We got a couple of fun chase scenes. We had, um, we, we learned that the Imperial uh, soldiers are still very bad at flying their bikes through any kind of canyons. Um, <laughs> like, they, they like, actually, cr- this one, they didn't even crash into the, the mountains. They, like, crashed into each other, right? I think they hit the edges of the canon, canyon, and that, like, banged them towards each other, and then they hit each other, spun out, and blew up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, some coordinated Epic flying fail. tactics Best would help. what they do. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they're the best at what they do. Yeah. And, and we're also finding that it seems like there's pretty much nothing in the universe that can't shoot down a TIE fighter. I just right. love them so much. Every time the TIE fighters come, I'm like, oh, here we go. It's the, <laughs> it's the noise, like the, the sound their guns make. It's just like nostalgic. It is. And right. nothing like and now that they've got all the technology, it looks so good and it sounds so good in my living room. I was having a good time. I love the whole wing folding down thing. Like at first it didn't make so much sense to me, but then I was like, oh wait, it's just, it's just their version of S foils. Of course they would like add this technology at some point. And it, it just looks really badass. Yeah. Yeah. It looks cool. Um, they, they still can't hit anything. Actually they can hit less <laughs> than, I mean, in the original in, in a new hope, they blow up a lot of tie fighters. Right. right. And there's just always so many. It's like always a swarm, a swarm mm-hmm. of tie fighters. And you're like, uh Oh, they're never going to get out of this. And they do. Yeah, no, they, they their aim is directly relevant to the plot. I exactly. Mean, they, it's <laughs> all over the place. Well, I'm really glad you guys liked this episode. I got to admit, this was not my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's in large part because it just wasn't the episode I thought we were going to get. I knew um, you were yeah. going to say that. That's why I asked you ahead of time because I'd, I'd watched it last night because, uh, uh-huh. you know, it comes out midnight California time. And I was like, do you want any uh, casting spoilers? Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I feel like the, it might have, like, I wasn't looking, for, I, I didn't have the same feeling about what this episode was going to be that you did, um, uh-huh. which, and, and so I feel like I wasn't disappointed by it in that way, and I kind of wanted to share that, like, kind of, like, brace you for it, but at the yeah. same time, I totally always respect, like, no spoilers, you know, unless people want whatever it is, so, uh, anyway, go ahead and, I I mean, you know. i'll just stop talking i think for me it's a couple things and it's not just that we didn't get to see ahsoka tano like i I was saying that i thought if we got to her we wouldn't get to her till the very end yeah um although i saw a lot of folks online like really looking forward to seeing her like this episode yeah i felt like that was a little optimistic premature honestly she feels like she's going to be an end of season two appearance to me that's entirely possible i i think it was more though it's a honestly when we started watching this episode for the first three or four minutes, I thought maybe we were watching the wrong episode. 
because <laughs> because we st- like the end of the episode started with you know Bo-Katan saying the end of the last episode was you know him and Bo-Katan saying okay well like you helped me with you- my mission now I'm gonna help you with yours right and the fact that this felt like there was no connection to that at all and I definitely wanted to see some kind of a handoff of like what is it you're doing now that is that is connected to that right um and I also just felt like it felt a lot like kind of a like we learned some important things about what Moff Gideon is up to, but otherwise it felt just like kind of a lot of filler um mm-hmm. to me. Like it was not I enjoyed it, it was enjoyable filler. But I think it was kind of like they you know, after a couple of episodes that were just totally like fun adventures, last episode they like sunk that plot needle right into my vein. Yeah. And I just wanted another hit, you know? Right, right. But that's why they're not going to give it to you. Exactly. But they give you, like, the second best thing. Because I wasn't... The only thing that would have made that episode okay was the characters they picked. This is suddenly our favorite characters again. You know, we're back with Cara Dune and Grief. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Finally, my friends are back and let's do this. Let's. I don't care what we're doing. Let's do it. I missed you guys. You know, it was... I thought it was perfect. Um, but if they didn't have those characters, I would have been very mad. And I thought the 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 busted up ship kind of was their little segue because yeah that mm-hmm. ship was not yeah, not in space flying not. shape, right? I think that's definitely true, and I definitely did enjoy that part. And I think Paul, I'm glad you didn't spoil it for me. But if I go back and watch this episode, knowing that I'll probably enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, I just would have wanted like thirty seconds of him and Bo Katan talking and saying like cool. I'll meet you, you know, in a couple weeks on this planet. You know, just some way that we, some kind of a connection between that episode and this one, because this mm-hmm. just felt totally disconnected from everything we learned last episode. I think something about The Mandalorian is, by and large, the episodes tend to be fairly self-contained, mm-hmm. a lot of them, through both seasons. Yeah. And one thing that I feel they're doing is, like, there's there there is an overarching plot, right? But... I feel right. like it really only tends to hit a handful of episodes in a season. Is That's my read. I mean, that was the first season, and right. that's my feeling this season. And what they do is they try and work through a number of kind of universe-related things, right, at the same time. Like here, the whole thing in the base, and we find out about Gideon's plans a little bit, but it's really kind of just a hint at that. Most right. of what happens is, like, it's a pit stop, like... His ship yeah. wasn't space worthy, right? We're, we're not getting a bunch of the the overplot, but uh, it's just like it was very clear to me. Like the also the episode title, like the siege. It's like, well, that's not what you call the episode where he meets Ahsoka, like you know. <laughs> sure, like, sure. And also just going in, like I was just like, they're probably not going to do that that quickly. But like, I I, I hear you. You know, I mean, there's yeah. I'll be watching shows sometimes, and I'm like, I just. I just want the main plot. It's like, why is this season 13 episodes when it could be six and it could be like a tight six, right? <laughs> like telling one story. Or like nine or, you know. I think the points you both are making about what works about this episode are definitely true. And like I said, I think I'm fine not getting Ahsoka. I'm fine that it wasn't a big plot episode. I just wanted a little bit of connection to it. Yeah. And I think the other part of it for me also is, because you're right, Paul, uh, you're right, both of you, a, a lot of times in the last season – We'd have a big plot thing and then more non-plot things. But often, if, if the big plot thing affected Mando in some way, we'd at least see a couple of like just 10-second moments of him clearly kind of being shook by what happened or thinking about what happened. Right. In the last episode, he learned that everything he has been taught about the Mandalorians and the way and everything he's kind of dedicated his life to 
might well be wrong, or at least might not be what all Mandalorians believe. Right. And I saw absolutely none of that this episode. You know, I, I was going to say, I saw one moment of it that might hmm. be headcanoning it, but I felt like it was there where the child is eating something. They're both eating like soup at some point, right? Is that a thing? Right. I love this scene. And he's drinking it through his mask underneath it. Uh-huh. And the child's looking at him. And I felt like what they were trying to convey there was Mando kind of thinking about, like, do I really need to keep my helmet on while I'm, like, hanging out with, like, my kid? Interesting. L- like, okay. So even if, like, and and there wasn't, I, I can't really say, like, what made me feel that. Like, was it just kind of thinking that myself because of what had happened in the previous episode or what? But I'd also already been thinking, like, this is such a weird way to eat food. Right. So it's like now that that thought that that kind of doubt is in his mind a little bit, I felt I felt it and I thought about it while watching that scene. Uh, But aside from that, I totally agree. Have we ever seen him eat like that before or or drink like that? No, he he actually says um, in the first season, because when they're on the Seven Samurai planet, Mm -hmm. um, someone wants to the the woman he's who's falling for him wants to eat with him. Yeah. And he says that he just he eats in private. Right. Um, so, so I he think takes his I, helmet off and eats and then puts it back on and sees people. Right. So, Paul, I think you're right. I think that is him doing something new. So, yeah, at, at least if there's that, that that does seem maybe more subtle than I would have wanted. But at least Very that subtle. is a little bit of a connection there. And Baby Yoda trying to peek. He's like, <laughs> Yeah, he's like, uh, can I? <laughs> so, so we get some more Baby Yoda. What do we think of uh, Baby Yoda going to preschool? Although basically he's like just dropped in the middle of fourth grade, I think it looked like. Right, right. But I mean, he's like 50, maybe 51 or two now. So yeah, yeah. seems about right. Teaching that kid some street justice. Oh, God. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not quite sure I'm ready to see Baby Yoda as like school bully. But I'm so like, ready for that. He's the kid who's going to steal your snacks, you know? Yes. Like, <laughs> Those macaroons is mine's. All your snacks are belong to us. Like, <laughs> and, like, my question to him is just, how you say so small eating food of this kind? <laughs> like, he so just true. wants to eat everything. And he talked a little bit? Yeah, kind of, right? Yeah, they, they definitely seem to be playing around with his level of maturity and um, and intellectual comprehension because... The same child who, like, doesn't seem to quite understand, like, you don't steal, you know, cookies or eggs from other people, but also can figure out, like, this wire and that wire. I wasn't quite getting it there, but it was super cute. It was nice to see him be useful. Yeah, yeah. Kinda. <laughs> right. Try to be useful. I mean, literally, um, you know, we were watching the the first scene, just before the first scene, like, the credits where they, the, the part where they show, like, all the different faces or whatever, the, the intro thing, and we're like... Wouldn't it be nice if, like, Baby Yoda actually did something this season? And then, like, right out of the gate, it's like, put the wire in the other thing. And we're like, hey, he's going to do so. Oh, no, no, he's, no, oh, that's going to, yep. <laughs> but, like, right. But, like, at least, like, there was that effort. And and uh, and then, you know, he finally used the Force again to, you know, to steal some snacks. But, like, that seems like as good a reason as any. Very dark side. Is that the first time he's used the Force this season? That I notice. I think so. Yeah, I can't remember. He he hasn't tried to defend himself at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's, you know, I mean... I, Priorities. Yeah, Macarons. and I, I don't think he necessarily... <laughs> 
fails to understand, like, you're not supposed to take things from other people. Although, like, you know, whatever. I mean, we can debate that. Um, I mean, I, I think you shouldn't take people's genetic material that, <laughs> right, and consume it. But, like, I, I, have, I mean, whatever. You steal That's some That's a like, higher order than the cookies, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a little different. Um, like, I don't even eat eggs. But, like, you know, <laughs> I, I think, like, that sort of, like you know that's the priorities like food give me food oh i can get that okay i've got it whereas other things like um you know i like i don't think it's a lack of intellectual understanding it's like no i want that food so i'm gonna take it what are you talking about kind of right yeah and he has the power to do it yeah it definitely feels like he's in the kind of like terrible twos stage yeah (laughs) i just i'm not sure i'm gonna have a two-year-old try to help me rewire my house um, right, yeah that that seemed like a really suspect. That's you something know. your fun uncle does, though. That's not his kid. He's right, like, right. Well, you need to get through this together, and I need yeah. you to plug that thing in that hole. <laughs> yeah, when you're fostering a child, you probably shouldn't have them do your electrical work. That's <laughs> probably you know, you know, not a mother, but I would. <laughs> uh, fair, fair enough, you know, to each their get own. Get in there. You're small. Katie, I hope you're hearing this. Next time you're considering Ashley as babysitter. Oh, oh. no, no. There's no there's no offer on that table for that ever. I don't babysit. Am I right that we're we're having the the child not come along on as many missions this season? It it feels like they're finding more reasons to like to leave the child back when they're going on things. And I, I'm wondering if in part because like the child's powers had been so 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 high last season that maybe they're trying to like not have him there because his force powers can just fix almost anything. Mm. Very possible. They don't have him use it that much though, either. Right. right. But like in the previous season, he used it some, you know, like yeah. when things got like really dire, it was like, Oh yeah, let me just use the force to like get us out of this situation. And it, it does feel like there's a deliberate effort. I mean, I remember I said in the first episode that I felt like it was maybe they were trying to, you know, especially establish, um, you know, Mando again right. and kind of let let the child kind of have a, a little bit of a backseat. Uh, you know, I still think that's kind of true, but it also just feels like it wasn't just that one episode. Like, it feels like that's maybe somewhat of a conscious choice this season. I mean, maybe it's budget. Yeah. Who knows? Like, right. it's probably mm-hmm. expensive using the force. Like... And you don't want to overdo it. Right. It I mean, it's like magical. there would be a lot more Hulk in earlier MCU movies if it wasn't so expensive to yeah. do Hulk stuff. Yeah. Because you would think that the, the space, uh, the snow spiders or whatever would have been a reason. That was that was a pretty yes. dire situation. Yeah, that was like sure. that, that that episode was frustrating to me there because I was like, really? Come on, baby Yoda. Like, you got <laughs> everybody into this mess. You've got the power to fix it. Do it. Like, Just what are you raise doing? the ship out. Raise the ship out of the hole. Exactly. Yeah. Just just fly. Yeah. Like, and it's weird because I, I think Paul, this may have been a point you made when we were talking about season one, but I know that um, one thing I've enjoyed about this season is that the the show itself is that we have a world where it's not about the Jedi. You know, where the mm-hmm. decisions are not just made by the, these magic sorcerer, laser sh- sword wielding people, but it's more kind of like the people in the trenches who have to deal with things that the Jedi can't take care of, um, and. And so for that reason, like, I like the fact that we're not having the, the force be deus ex machina to fix every problem. But it it just seems like an interesting story choice. And I, I think the reasons we're talking about are probably correct. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I do like that. It's not so force centric, but it's like once you get Baby Yoda, like you can't go back. You know? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like so. It, it's it's a little bit of that like too powerful hero syndrome, and that's mitigated by the fact that he is a child. You know, right. the child. But like at the same time, it's like those powers are strong, and so once you really like put that front and center in the plot for whatever we you know it, it i think it it makes writing it, it presents certain writing challenges probably yeah that makes a lot of sense so what do we think of uh moff gideon's plans now are that they we know, making snokes that was uh, so nathaniel muzzy wrote in on uh the facebook chat uh, in the Stranded Panda chat, yeah. that's what that's what he was suggesting. I think I've seen a lot of discussion about is what they're doing going to lead to Snoke, or is it even their, what they're going to do leading to uh, the rebirth of Palpatine? I, I don't think it's that. Or both, right? Like, yeah. is right. this the sort of beta thing, and then they end up getting a full Palpatine? Like, Yeah, Snoke was like, they're like, oh, an accident. We have ten of them. What are we going to do? <laughs> right. Yeah. They're like, ugh, have him teach Kylo Ren. So whiny. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I don't want to deal with this emo brat. Like... <laughs> each one Yoda's. They each one kills itself. It's like, oh, I just can't handle it anymore. Like with this, the Luke Skywalker just nagging them to death. They have to go through ten Snokes. I, yeah, I like the idea that there's like 20, 10, 20 different Snokes, and it's like they all like are the same, but they're not the same, and yeah. they're basically just the the you know Palpatine puppets or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and like Ben doesn't know. Or mm-hmm. Kylo. Or it's whatever. like multiplicity in space. Exactly. I like that we're learning more. And if we're going in just a cloning direction, I think I'm going to be happier with it. I I have always hated the whole idea that the Jedi, that the use of force is a genetic thing. Right, and it has yeah. nothing to do with like your will or who you are or, or yeah. anything beyond just like, you know, are you part of one of the, the pure blood families or whatever it is. Right. Um, and not to mention, like, I just despise the whole idea of midichlorians. Right. So, they did they did a lot of dancing around the M word. <laughs> or or I mean they said it one time. Like they said He has M the highest M count we've ever seen. R- yeah, um, yeah. But it's like they're not they didn't say the word. They didn't <laughs> They didn't say not the word. Not gonna say it. You can't right. make Don't it. say the word. <laughs> but it seems that that's where they're going. I think if the idea yeah. is that maybe they can like inject that into a clone DNA, okay, I can I can sort of go with that. I really don't want this to be that like Moff Gideon can take shots of the the Force, you know. Oh right, right. And mm. and because I, I just feel like that would really cheapen the Force if there's because honestly, if that's true, then why weren't people doing that all the time in the New Republic? You know, why weren't the Sith doing that thousands of years ago? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe it's new technology, right? But I agree with you that I find it kind of distasteful. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah. Um. I mean, it would be very kind of the boys-ish, I guess, in some That's ways. exactly what I was thinking. Or like Captain America-ish, or, you know, I mean, these things. But yeah, like very, very specifically like the boys, which I, I have some parallels between this episode and, I guess, season two, episode three of the boys. But um, I don't know if we're there yet. Yeah, sure, you Maybe can go we should talk bit. about workplace safety first. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> since we're on that why don't you drop that then we can talk about how badly the empire needs an osha right so so i i rage quit um the boys season three uh season two during episode three like just a particular thing happened and i i won't say my exact words but 
um, I just I just left the room. I was like, I'm not watching this show anymore. Um, Quick spoiler and, warning: if you if you haven't watched The Boys season two, probably skip ahead a couple minutes. Yeah, I mean, so maybe I won't actually talk about. I guess I will. Like, so I'm intrigued. You have to tell me now. There, so there were a bunch of things, right? I mean, and there's there's some parallels between this show and that show. And one thing um, I really didn't like. There wasn't a lot in that show that I actually really enjoyed in season two. I liked season one, but season two just wasn't really doing much for me. Whereas here in Mandalorian, there are a lot of things I'm very interested in, right? But in in Mandalorian, the first three episodes, there's always like some horrible treatment of animals, often eating something alive or like, and you know, this is... This goes back to season one as well, but it was so prevalent in the first three episodes of of season two um, that, like, I kind of considered not continuing to watch the show. Oh, I think I know where we're going. And so then here in in episode four, when, you know, they uh, have this little cute creature that they're going to like, they're like, oh, let's go eat you. Um, I was like, don't, don't do this. And, (laughs) And then, like, you know, they get saved by... Cara Dune and then like becomes her friend and I was like okay I thank you like yeah. you know like oh, no. I I don't I don't want to watch a show where every single episode um I feel this way right and in in um in the boys you know first there's like the deep who theoretically is like the guy who loves animals like sea animals specifically mm-hmm. right They're and but he's just like always getting them killed because he's a moron, I guess. Right. And come on, like, friends, let's go play in traffic. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so like, you know, I hated that. And then when they killed off a particular character later in the episode, um, who actually I thought had the only interesting dynamic in season two um, between him and his sister. And I felt like, first of all, I was angry that like, there were so few, um, like, so few interesting character dynamics mm-hmm. in the show. Like, things that I found interesting and that they'd, like, just, like, in a way that I thought didn't make any logical sense. Because they'd shown him to be so powerful and then he's just, like, so helpless. And I was like, no. This is just, like, the plot deciding to do what it wants to do. And then secondly, like, I feel like shows have a tendency you know, to kill off Asian characters more than they kill off other characters. And, you know, but like maybe commensurate to how much they kill off black characters. But, and and in, in season, and when we did our season one of, of Mandalorian recap, I kind of alluded to it when, you know, when Ming-Na Wen was just like thrown away, basically like wasted as far as I'm concerned in, in episode five of season one. Yeah. And... You know, like, I don't feel like that was because she was Asian. Like, they kill a lot of characters in this show. But it's the <laughs> kind of thing where, like, when something happens so often and you have so char- so few characters of a given, like, race or, or gender, if it's, like, oftentimes it'll be a movie that's, like, almost all ma- male characters and there's one or two female characters who exist just to get fridged, right? Like, right. just to get bumped off. And so that made me angry in, in season one episode five and then in the boys you know something similar kind of happens except it just didn't have it didn't have you know the child in it right it didn't have baby yoda and it didn't have this mythology that i really care about so um in kind of in order to sit through things that i find have a lot of really negative stuff for me that i'm just like i don't i'm not really interested in seeing that 
um, you know, like that many heads exploding or whatever. <laughs> like, I need there to be stuff that I'm really into. And so Mandalorian delivers a lot of stuff I'm really into. So it's more of a balance where it's like, there are things where I'm like, oh, like this scene, you know, I'm yeah. not going to like rewatch this particular scene or whatever. But mm. there's also a bunch of awesome stuff. And then in this particular episode, um, I don't know if we want to get into the casting yet, but I feel like they did something in this episode and in episode two that kind of, to an extent, sort of rectifies and offsets, like, you know, just bumping off um, someone who I think they could have really gotten a lot of value out of. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Uh, and I do think, actually, my sense is that, that Ming-Na Wen's character is going to return at some point this season. Um, Seems very possible, although... Never mind. But you're right. And we'll get more into the casting itself uh, in a little bit. So basically, just to sum up, like, I mean, like, as a vegetarian who, like, cares a lot about animals, like, the extent to which they're, like, brutalized and we see, like, just, like, huge giant chunks of of dead animal and, you know, creatures eaten alive, like, it, I find it disturbing. Like, I don't want to spend a lot of my time watching it, right? Like, John Favreau made this movie called Chef that I really enjoyed. But, like, you know, five to ten minutes of the movie, I was like, ah, tell me when this scene's over, you know? <laughs> like, fair. physically. Do you like the Lord of the face. Rings? Like, from Lord of the Rings? Do you like the Lord of the Rings movies? I do. I mean, they definitely have some issues. So, there, like, The Return say. of the King, like, that's even hard for me. Oh, to watch. no, no. That, and that yeah, no. That scene. Yeah. And it's so frustrating because it's, like, such a beautifully poignant scene. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, I can can we cut to something else? Like the the only reason it bothers me a little less there is because the point is that that guy is disgusting and that like, he cares so little for, um, for like his own son, you know? And, and Mm -hmm. so it's kind of, to me, it's almost like evocative of sort of like how he thinks about living beings. Um, even though it's like very unpleasant for me to watch. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I know exactly what scene you're talking about. <laughs> and I can definitely understand where you're coming from there. And I, I definitely see the connection with this episode. I think there was... Uh, earlier today, I knew that you had watched the episode. And I you know, I wanted you to be able to schedule, know who's going to be on this podcast tonight. And I I tried to reach out to you and it's kind of a... Basically was saying, like, don't spoil it for me. But right. are enough animals killed in this that you're not going to be joining <laughs> us on the podcast tonight? Tonight? <laughs> And I was like, I would like to be on the podcast tonight. Yeah. Do you want any casting spoilers? And you're like, no, thank you. And then an hour before we did the thing, I was like, can I give you a little casting spoiler, please? (laughs) But I won't say that that's what it is, but you'll know. But like, you won't know. Yeah. So what I did was I watched like the first 10 minutes of Kim's Convenience, which um, we'll we'll talk about in the casting in a minute. Um, Ashley, what up for you? What what else about this episode do you really like or anything that you didn't like as much? You know, I really, I liked, um, trying to think. I just like all the action scenes. Like, that that does it for me. I like when they were getting out of there. I What were they blow? So that reactor was just there. I was trying to, like, figure out why they were there and what they were really doing. I'm so- <laughs> I feel like we're about to talk about workplace safety now. That's yeah. what I want to get to. Yeah, like, they just had this active reactor, like, in the ground, like, not too far outside of town. Well, we've learned already that there's a lot of lava on this planet. Remember, that was the whole big thing when they were uh, at the end of With last the, season. There was, yeah. like, lava rivers, which is Oh, that's right. Yeah. How, how, you know, how, how we got the T2 scene, right? If you're within, like, 100 feet of lava, generally you're, like, really not a happy person. 
Um, but fair enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, apparently in the Star Wars universe, there's a rule that if you build something near lava, there has to be a button that if you press the button, the lava will come and destroy your place. Gotta have um, that button. It happened in Mustafar. It happened here. Um, I feel you know, like that's just a, a, a Star Wars thing in general. Everything from the Empire has just one button or one thing that can right. completely take it all down. Right. There's no, <laughs> there's no like, real railings around staircases or around, like, you know, big dark pits. Um, there's no, like... <laughs> right. It's like, but that button at least is on this, like, pedestal kind of thing with no rail... And, like, these things are definitely not OSHA compliant. (laughs) Yeah. At least we've not yet seen death or decapitation by door this season. Because, like, I remember being a really little kid and, like, I had this, like, nightmare that, like, you know, the elevator door was going to hit me and I was just going to be instant death. (laughs) And there was one time when I I put out my hand to stop the elevator and it stopped. (sighs) And I was like, ah. I am a king. I am the strongest person ever. <laughs> and my father was like, what are you kidding? Of course they're not going to build a door in that way that would kill someone by accident. Star Wars universe, not so much. Exactly. That's that's one of the main defense systems. Someone's chasing you. Wait till they're at the doorway. Boom. Shut the door. It's perfect. Decapitation. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. Um. All right. I'm trying to think of anything else in this episode I want to touch on. Um, I did think the the little weasel thing was adorably cute. I'm glad mm-hmm. that it both did not get eaten and also that it became Cara Dune's friend. That mm-hmm. was kind of fun. Um, I loved Mando's shootout with the TIE fighter. That was just beautifully done. Yeah. When they were just spinning around, doing his Han Solo moment. And then the child spit up all over himself. I know. <laughs> Ew, it was so gross. I also <laughs> thought it was interesting that both with two of the TIE fighters that get destroyed – you get a moment of seeing the pilot like panicking as they're about to die. Um, yeah, that's different, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we almost never saw that, and I, I don't. I wonder if that's a, because we're supposed to like kind of enjoy, like, yeah, they're gonna get it, bad Empire guys, or if we're supposed to sort of have a moment of like, oh yeah, it's real people who are getting killed on that side too. I think it's more the first, but but what was your kind of take on it from both of you? I thought they just wanted to show us the cool helmets. Yeah. <laughs> this helmets are badass. I felt like this episode felt like a lot like A New Hope. Yeah. Where, I mean, you're breaking into an Imperial installation. Uh, you know, you're escaping from an Imperial installation. You've got kind of deliberately cheesy dialogue at points, I think, where I think they maybe even used audio from before. They right? did at or one point when the stormtroopers were like saying like, you know, check on something or whatever. It, I'm almost positive that a couple seconds of it were exactly taken from a new hope stormtroopers yeah. speaking to each other. Yeah. I and then, hope and, they did that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Kind of. I mean, I think I feel like it was very deliberate. Right. Because then, you know, you also have like a lot of joy expressed at killing a lot of stormtroopers, which yeah. isn't throughout all of Star Wars stuff. But it was a very big thing. Like when they're flying away from the Death Star and... There's a couple TIE fighters chasing them and they blow them up and they're like, woohoo, you know, it's like yeah. there's yeah. a lot of like cheering, you know, at, at all this death. And, you know, I mean, granted, like they've just escaped death themselves, so they're excited, which makes sense. Yeah. But it, it just had a very it felt very similar in that way. Yeah. Um, and then also the thing at the end, I mean, there's the TIE fighter similarity. Right. But there's also like um, Hanso, I mean, uh, Mando shows up <laughs> at the last moment. <laughs> 
flying yeah. out of nowhere and, you know, blast the TIE fighters out of the sky. And then they're able to, you know, successfully do what they're planning to do, which was not die. Um, <laughs> so, it, yeah, it felt like it had this very A New Hope energy to me. And I, you know, I mean, we had like, you know, the Arachnophobia al- episode or Aliens episode, the Tremors episode. There was a Seven Samurai episode. I feel like this was the New Hope episode. We have to keep track of this. Right, exactly. We should make a list (laughs) of what film it is. That's what we should name the episodes. (laughs) Yeah, that that definitely tracks. I mean, even down to that gun that Grief was in looks an awful lot like the swivel guns on the bottom and top of the Millennium Falcon that they used to shoot TIE fighters when they were getting away from the Death Star. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think he he directed the episode, right? Carl Weathers? Oh, I think he had this right. I think so. Oh, nice. Yeah, I thought he did a good job. It was, but it was like it very. It felt like it was different in tone uh, from some of the other episodes this season. And uh, I, it's I don't know. I, I find it interesting when each each episode does feel like fairly distinct to me. You know, mm-hmm. like each one is very much its own thing, and then they are tied together by an overarching plot and by you know two characters who are in every episode, but. There is uh, there's a distinction, not just in whatever's going on in the plot, but also I feel like in tone. Yeah. Well, it's like with Bryce Dallas Howard did the last one, right? I believe the that's last the case, episode. Yeah. I, I looked it up. Yes, Carl Weathers so. did direct this one. That's correct too. And the last one felt like more of modern. The music was more, you know, mm-hmm. moderny, and this one actually did feel more like an, you know, like an eighties, you know. Star Wars movie. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair. And I like that. I like the dynamic. Yeah, I'd like to... I wish, I wish I'd wish uh, taken the time to see whether there are, like, any interviews with Carl Weathers about sort of his history with Star Wars and, um, you know, how he went about, you know, getting this role, but then actually, you know, directing this episode, yeah. stuff like that. I think it's it's pretty interesting. When, when people who really love a particular world, a particular universe then get to create content within it. Um, it. I think it shows, you know, there's like, sometimes it can be a bit much, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this uh, this episode to me felt like it could have felt a little bit much, but it felt like what I wanted to watch right now. You know, it definitely doesn't have so much of the kind of like darkness and weight that a lot of the other episodes have had. Yeah, And it's just... I don't know. Life's stressful, man. <laughs> Have you watched the gallery yet, either of you? No. No. What is that? It's it's um everything that you're asking for. <laughs> it's yeah. um John Favreau did a behind the scenes. They sit down every single director. It's eight episodes. Each, oh. ep- each episode's like forty yeah. minutes. They break down each episode with the director, with the cast, uh, the the music, how they did the effects, how they brought people in from the you know old movies to help do you know this show. Like yeah, how amazing. many little details are in it all the way down to uh, what were they saying? That was making me laugh. The ice cream maker. <laughs> what? It's in there. What? It's in Mando somewhere. The ice really? cream maker thing from what? Is that a new hope? The guy who's running and they have like the running of the the ice cream maker holding guy. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? At, like I've cons? never known that ice cream no. existed in this galaxy. I, no, I it, to, it's not an I ice cream. <laughs> Lucas just like they painted up an like an actual ice cream maker from like the eighties or early seventies oh. and, and they're like it's just this canteen thing and, and there's this whole long like 
you know, fan based thing about like the, the guy carrying it has his own action figure. And then they have a running <laughs> of that character at the Star Wars cons. Wow. Yeah. I want this to be the, the cabbage guy of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> My ice cream maker. So <laughs> yeah. That'd be I'll so have to good. Send, I'll send you guys a picture. Awesome. <laughs> so let's, um, uh, I want to chat a little bit about the casting because we have we do have one great example of exactly what you're talking about, Paul, of someone who a lifelong fan, it seems like, who gets to be in this. But first, let's chat a little bit about um, Gina Carano, the woman who plays Cara Dune. Um, on our last episode, one of our other co-hosts, uh, Riki Hayashi, brought up that there's been a lot of discussion about her uh, on Twitter recently. Uh, a lot of people being kind of not thrilled about comments she's made about the pandemic or about the uh, election that are going on. I don't want to get too into it. I don't want to get into a big debate about like cancel culture, stuff like that. But I think it's worth touching on. Um, and I'm sure that we may have differing opinions on this. I think my, my view of it is I don't love the stuff that she's putting out. Um, I'm, I'm generally like if someone has different political opinions, that's one thing. You know, some of the stuff she's putting out about, um, you know, not respecting masks or like not respecting the election count and things like that are stuff that I'm – I don't – I think the world is a better place when celebrities are not – putting those things out there um and there's some stuff that apparently a couple of months ago stuff that she'd done that that had angered people in the trans community i think for good reason i think for me though my my general take on it is it doesn't make me i can very much understand why someone says like i knowing that it makes it harder for me to enjoy the character i feel like i know this stuff was shot before before people knew too much about that i'm she's an enjoyable character i'm enjoying seeing her if disney decided not to bring her back next season i I probably think I'd be okay with that. Um, but she also does not play a huge part in such that I feel like my my enjoyment of the show is going to be changed one way or another based on what they do with that actress. But I definitely can very much understand why some people, like, there are certain things that I won't see because of the, the, the actors or actresses involved. And I, I can very much understand why for someone else, like, that might be someone's breaking point. Um, and I think it's going to be, I'm going to be curious to see how the discussion plays out over the next couple of weeks and months and, and what Disney decides to do. Man. You guys, but this is not, you guys have very different opinions than me on this stuff. I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't do that with like, I don't know. Uh, American Beauty. Let's, let's start with Kevin Spacey. Sure. I love his movies. I will always love his movies. And, you know, sure. He did some horrible stuff and he's pretty horrible as a person, but I don't know him. I see him play a character and I can separate that a little bit. Like, I, I don't know. It's. It's weird. Like her, I I couldn't have told you her like Gina, Gina, her Gina name. Yeah. She's as far as I know, she's Cara Dune. So I, you know, I don't follow her on Twitter. I don't read the stuff on Twitter like that. So I'm not really like into that. And then any like the cancel culture, like everybody who's coming out to say something about her. Okay, show me your Twitter feed. Let's go have a look and see what you've had to say recently. Everybody said, you know, everybody can find something on everybody. She is an idiot. Kind of. Oh, you know, she is using her platform to say things that are going to be in a detriment to her career, which is not smart. And someone should tell her to stop doing that if she, you know, wants to keep that, uh, you know, Switzerlandish kind of career where, you know, you've just got to stay in your lane, Gina. <laughs> so I have like about half from column A and half from column B. Mm -hmm. um, I've actually been a Gina Carano fan as an actress since uh 2011 when she did haywire mm. uh, i think she's an awesome action star uh she was also in a deadpool. show that i constantly oh yeah deadpool 
Yeah, she's yeah, she's in Deadpool also. Um, but before that, also, she's in a show that I'm constantly trying to get Matthew to watch, uh, <laughs> Almost Human. <laughs> and I, I feel like uh, Matthew, I, and Jacob Malicic need to do a superhero ethics episode on that show, um, which has Carl Urban in a role I love him in much more than, than the boys, but, um, and Michael Ely and, and Gina Carano has a, a fairly small role, but she's just like perfect in the role. Right. She's the mm-hmm. actress that I picked as my number one choice for Wonder Woman back in like 2015 or whenever mm-hmm. they started talking about oh. making that movie. I think she would have just smashed it as Wonder Woman. Um, she's like an actual fighter. So, I mean, she was a professional fighter, right? right. So yeah. she brings a physicality to roles that, um, I think is very is very rare, like you know, particularly w- with with women, right? But also with men. I mean, I think there's a lot of men playing action heroes where you're like, uh, I don't know. And then there's others where you're like, oh yeah, there's like this physicality, right? Danny that Rand, really, for yeah. example, might be a, a good example. Sure, <laughs> yeah, maybe not bringing quite the physicality to Iron Fist. Like maybe hire someone who's you know actually a mar- martial artist, like Simu Liu. Uh, who they hired for Ch- right. Shang-Chi, who's actually a martial artist, a gymnast, and a great comedic actor in a show called Kim's Convenience. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, so I, so as an actress, I have a lot of respect for her just in terms of what she's able to do. Um, in terms of actors in general, I feel like the less I know about them, the better. I basically mm-hmm. just want to see people as they are on screen. Yeah. I think when you have something like Kevin Spacey, like I'll still watch the usual suspects and enjoy it because it's one of the best films ever made. Yeah. And that's a performance Seven. where the first time you see it is one way. And the second time it's like, he did a totally different performance. Like he went back in time and changed it, which is yeah. just utterly brilliant. I completely respect the decision for no longer uh, having him, making stuff because a lot of the things he did that were horrible he did on set right yeah so these weren't like things that he did in his personal life that then you know were separate and it's like you can be critical of that um but you know these are problems with actually actively making stuff so it's like you can't have that right you can't have people abusing people while they're making the you know Mm -hmm. new things um but I mean, for me, in terms of like, if you want to call it cancel culture, if you don't want to call it cancel culture, whatever, to me, it's like basically, you know, judging people based on their actions and then choosing whether or not you want them to be in, you know, whether or not you want to consume their art and whether you want companies to keep producing it. For me, like personally, I find what people have for lunch, like would be more of a reason that like, if I were to actually stop watching things that had people in it, who yeah. do things that I think are horrible. It's like, I think most of the world on a daily basis does horrible things. And like, I don't like that, but I find a way to just be like, okay, you know, that's the way the world is. And it's like, some people have political views that I find abhorrent. Right. And mm-hmm. the ones that she's espoused that I've seen, I vehemently disagree with. And I think they're very dangerous. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm not really against deplatforming people from Twitter or whatever. Or if I were a magazine, I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to interview her. Right. But yeah, like, her publicist is like, oh, God. Right. Exactly. But meanwhile, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not in the camp of like, oh, she shouldn't be able to be in any things anymore as a performer. That said, like people who are like, I don't want to watch anything she's in. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to try and convince anyone they're wrong on that. Like, you, sh- you shouldn't watch things you don't want to watch. Like, yeah. I, I, I've gotten pretty good at quitting shows, you know? And when 
I'm, I'm kind of happy about that. I think it makes me a happier person. So I think people should avoid, you know, if you want to avoid JK Rowling things because you feel like she does stuff, you know, she says some things um, that are, are harmful, then I'm certainly not going to convince anybody. I'm not going to try to convince anybody they shouldn't do that, right? That's a personal choice. But in terms of whether people should or shouldn't keep making things, to me, kind of the line is like, is a lot of their damage coming through their platform or through the art they're creating? Like, are they creating stuff that's like hateful? Or are they like off in their personal life doing some some things that we think are bad? But like when it comes to business, they're basically professional and there aren't direct issues with that. And then I think like, yeah, you know, you should probably, I, I'm not really a huge fan of like all of these movements to cancel everything. Yeah. Yeah. Aside from like canceling school and stuff. So people don't die. <laughs> and, yeah. And I think, I think I am like, Ashley, I think um, I, I'm closer to you than you think, because I, I, I'm like you. And I think this is something both of you said. I can still enjoy some. I still think Kevin Spacey was a fantastic actor, and I, mm-hmm. I still think J.K. Rowling was a great writer. My thing is that I don't want to put money in any more money in either one of their pockets. And yeah, so, I if I if Usual Suspects is on Netflix, I'm going to happily watch that. And, and and okay, maybe we can trace that he gets like a quarter of a penny from every time on residuals. I have no idea how that works, he, but he probably doesn't. But yeah. but you know, if someone was crazy enough to put him in a new movie, I probably wouldn't watch it. If J.K. Rowling's mm-hmm. put something out. I'm probably going to look for a bootleg copy. I'm not going to try and buy it. Um, yeah. and, and I think with someone with something like this, like I do think that, you know, putting out tweets is nowhere near like what, you know, a Bill Cosby or um, Kevin Spacey did uh, in terms of like mm-hmm. actual physically harming people. But I think also, Paul, what you said, like to me, if this was we, we, we found some tweets that said like, you know, she had voted for Mitt Romney and Bob Dole or, you know, whatever it was. I have no interest in that. Like, you know, I I don't think like just a person's political affiliations should be any a part of this conversation. As you said, I do think the two things she's tweeting here are very dangerous. And so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm much more like that's something I really want to have a lot more attention to on uh, terms yeah. of like, you know, either it's like, you know, putting oppressed communities into more danger or like pandemic stuff or like attacking the election stuff. And I think the one, way, one place where I would maybe be a little bit more on the cancel side is that I do think, because you're right, I feel like what someone, you know, it, what, who they write a check to, for example, or who they vote for, I'm probably a lot less likely to care about. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. that be, her being on this show is what gives her Twitter platform that much more of a voice. Yeah, yeah. More people follow her because they love her on this show. And right. Because mm-hmm. she's in Deadpool and, you know. Right. And, and so that's, I think, what makes me a little more like. I, I'm probably going to hope that, you know, her character, you know, does interesting things this season and then maybe doesn't come back. Um, but, you know, I, of all the issues in Hollywood, I can say it's also probably lower on my list. But I think as all of us are saying, like, we all have different issues that we would care about. You know, Paul, you're exactly. talking about how the, the media thing, um, like for me, you know, the what she's doing about the, the, the pandemic stuff and the trans stuff like and, and the election. That's really important. I can get for someone else. It might be like you brought up Gal Gadot. There's some folks who will never watch Wonder Woman because of what they perceive as Gal Gadot's, like, you know, very pro-Israel, anti-Palestine stances. Yep. Um, yep. Didn't know it. See, I love Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. I didn't know anything about that. Yeah. I, I, I was, I've been super impressed by her. As I, I was like, really? Gosh, You're going to hire this so skinny model? Beautiful. I'm like, oh, she was actually really good. Yeah. I still think Sharita Carano would have crushed it. But, like, yeah. you know. They found, yeah, they, they found, they're like, oh, there she is. Yep. Yeah, I, 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 and, and and here's also the interesting part is um, 
when Gina Carano first came out as um, or first was on the show, mm-hmm. there was so much internet hate about it from the exact opposite side of people saying like, "Ugh, why do we have this like uber muscular woman in Star Wars? Why do we have to be told <laughs> that like yeah. there was so much anger that a woman had beaten up the Mandalorian? It was like, oh my god, really? they're forcing social oh, justice like, on us. It's like no, wow. and it's just so nice to see like thicker girls right? in these powerful mm-hmm. roles. You don't ever see it. Like I'm like, yeah, I could do it. I'm out there. Yeah. I, you know, not yeah, like she's she could kick definitely my more ass, muscular but yeah, than Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just nice to see it. Like, you know, that's not a size zero waist, you know, bouncing around like pew, pew. No, she's taking, taking names. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, every character and every plot choice is going to bring, you know, certain, certain things that some people, you know, a lot of things are going to bring positives and negatives. Right. So, yeah, so I, I think that's like, you know, we've, we've talked about different positions, but all kind of in the same, same general area. Um, let's now talk about the other really positive, the really positive casting stuff we want to discuss. And, Paul, this is one you brought to our attention. Uh, you want to take this one away? Yeah. So when I was watching episode two, the one with, uh, you know, the spiders. Right. I and was, the traffic and cops. The ex- and the traffic cops. <laughs> so the traffic cops show up, which wasn't something I was particularly fond of in, in this story. But I was looking at them, and I was like, who is this pilot? Like, he has... He has this old school Star Wars aura to him, but and I was like, I was like, I feel like I should know him, and I think I even asked after that. I was like, Do you know who the pilots were? Like they they like looked like really familiar. Like I felt like this was like someone from an old Star Wars episode who'd come back and gotten like this little role, right? And I was kind of intrigued by that, but not enough. And episode two was my least favorite episode of this season so far, um, and I didn't think much of it. So two weeks later, now, you know, I'm watching episode four and, um, and I'm like, Appa! <laughs> like it's, you know, it's, it's Paul Sun Hyung Lee who plays, um, Mr. Kim on Kim's Convenience, a very popular, um, you know, kind of groundbreaking, uh, Canadian TV show, like a sitcom basically. Right. But not like a super cheesy sitcom, like kind of a, you know, a modern sitcom and um he you know and so he he plays the the um x-wing pilot who's uh interviewing uh what grief right at Mm -hmm. the end Mm -hmm. and then cara dune and and then he goes i mean they gave him one of the worst maybe the worst line in in the episode (laughs) which was not a good way to make a connection with someone Right. It was no. like, you know, are you, are you, you know, it says here, you know, from Aldron and she's like, yeah, I'm from Aldron. He's like, did you lose anyone? It's like, that's like, he wouldn't ask that. Right. Like, no. did you know anybody to... on Aldron, the planet you were from? You know, it's like, so that, that was frustrating to me, but I, I mean, I, he's a national treasure in my opinion, like a yeah. Canadian I thought he was treasure. nagging her a little bit to try to get her to, to join the team. He was like, oh, you're from Alderaan. Did anybody you know live? Oh. No. Well, here's my my you know Maybe. My card. Maybe in case you want to do something about it, girl. <laughs> That's yeah. how I took it. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I did. I didn't. I didn't have that read at all. My my read is definitely very um, biased by having watched the four seasons of Kim's Convenience like three times already in the last like four <laughs> months. Mm. So. 
like it's the show that I just like put on like when I go to sleep and I've like I watched it all before that and like I I just love the show and I think he's he's received multiple awards for that that role plus before he played the role in the play and um and he's I feel like he's such a I don't know. He he felt like very sincere to me. Yeah. Um this character actually seemed much more like him in a lot of ways uh from like what I've seen in interviews than than the character on the show, right? Who I think it's I think he modeled that character a little bit more kind of off of, off of his dad, right? And I mean it's also a character written by you know the the show creator um Ince Choi, but so I then I was like I need to look this up and I looked it up and Someone was like, oh, in, in season two, you know, in episode two, he, someone was like, you know, uh, I, I almost thought I saw Appa in, you know, in, in uh, Mandalorian. And and so Paul, like, quotes it and he says, he's like, uh, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out, like, he's been this, like, massive Star Wars fan since he was five, basically, right? Like, like Matthew and myself, he... You know, his family, his dad took him to the theater when he was five and they saw the original Star Wars movie. He's a little older than we are. We saw Return of the Jedi, right? Yeah. But it was like this formative, like, show for him. And he's this big cosplayer and he has like seven different, um, you know, uh, outfits basically, right? Um, yeah. And. Good. Oh. And and so, like, he, he's friends with Deborah Chow, who uh, is, is involved in the show, I, I think. I'm not sure if she's a producer. I, I know she, um, I think she directed an episode in the, in the first season at least. And she, she must be some kind of producer on the show, but, um, she, he's like, Oh, what are you in town for? I guess in Toronto. And, and she's like, I'm shooting this show, the Mandalorian. He's like, what you're working on the Mandalorian. No way. And she's like, yeah, she's like, actually, you know, Dave Filoni, um, you know, he had an idea of a part for you. She's like, do you know who he is? He's like, yeah, I know who Dave Filoni is. <laughs> He's like, hold on, let me send you pictures of like all of my, you know, my, uh, cosplay costumes that I built myself. And he like, they were like trying to put him in one of the things. He's like, oh no. Um, I like, I want to read this exact thing, but, uh, I think she so directed good. your least favorite episode. Oh, that's, po- I think that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Which, you know, all right. Nothing, um. Uh, you know, no, no too much offense on that, but, um, that was, uh, yeah, but you know, he said like he cried during the costume fitting, like, and they, they bring out this helmet and he's like, he's like, is, is this big Darklighter's helmet? And they're like, uh, yeah. How do you know? He's like, cause I'm a nerd. Like, (laughs) yeah. And he's like, is this the real helmet? They're like, yeah. He's like, oh my God. And there's a, a wonderful video that Paul shared that I'm going to put yeah. in the show notes for this that's right. really worth watching because it, in it he talks about how he's just a huge fanboy and he is, um, he's being interviewed in his home. So this isn't like some set that the Star Wars producer like put him on. Yeah, and he's surrounded by like incredible toys and helmets and like all this awesome Star Wars paraphernalia, and so it's just amazing just on that level of like watching a super fan. But also, um, I think it's one of the most incredible things. And Paul, I think it's really, I'm sure this is why you shared it, because it really speaks to what you were talking about before. Mm-hmm. He talks about how when he saw the show, when he saw those movies when he was five, he loved it, but that he could never imagine himself as a Canadian, as a Korean person, especially as a Canadian Korean person in the Star Wars universe. And that it just meant so much to him that now, um, you know, young Asian kids would see this and see him in it and see themselves in the Star Wars universe. 
Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a big thing about like Kim's convenience too. Is just like being able to see yourself on TV, and it's like two thirds of the world's population is Asian, you know. And I feel like you know in the United States, it's actually a fairly small minority relative to some other you know minority groups within the United States. But um, you know, it's nice to see say progress in that direction, you know. Um, and then I'm also super biased because I just love the actor and he's hilarious in and out of uh character yeah and so that's awesome it was just uh it i had already enjoyed the episode right to that point and then that i was like what <laughs> i was just like so excited so mm-hmm. that's awesome so uh let's let's end with just a little bit of fan feedback um uh first of all this is uh nathaniel muzzy didn't write this to us star wars universe he wrote it to stranded panda network but we're going to yoink it and call it our own fan feedback. Um, yoink. <laughs> uh, he, and he's definitely been like, he, he's posted before about how he's super excited to hear us talk about stuff on, on the cast. And he writes, cloning seems to be a major theme popping up with the scientists having Camino patches and obviously the vat of clones. Also interesting to note that Boba Fett is a clone. My major question are, is Moff Gideon making Snokes? Uh, for some reason, I'm having trouble seeing the screen. So I really thought it said Snickers for a moment. Um, he's definitely making Snickers. Uh, is he trying to give himself force powers? Is he trying to make uh, force using troopers? They might actually be able to hit something. I'm sure the <laughs> internet will grab screenshots and analyze everything, but it seemed like they were being deliberate in the shots, not showing us too much. Also, Baby Yoda is a total toddler dick right now. Curious where that's going to go. Um, I know Jeff Randall will probably fight me over this, but Bo-Katan is Bay, and Kara can kick rocks. This opinion's heavily influenced oh. by the out-of-character decisions. So... I, I understand where you're coming from. Jeff Randall, if he were here, would say, Kara doing his bae. Um, yeah, he needs to go talk to his girl. Yeah. I was like, who's going to say that if he's not here? <laughs> <laughs> We've said it on behalf of him. But yeah, so what do we, what do we think about this, um, the clones question? Is this going to become a major I... issue in this, in this season? Yes. No. Maybe. <laughs> well, we've covered it. <laughs> we will definitely be right. <laughs> yeah. This show, it's kind of like what you were saying before. Like anytime there is any, like a major guest star, they get one episode. Like Bo-Katan, um, unless, you know, you have your reoccurring cast members. But anytime something like big happens, I feel like this show like sticks on it for one episode and then does like a filler episode and then it gets back to the main plot. And we only have eight, right? Yeah, only four more. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder, I don't know. I don't know if maybe by the end. Yeah. Because I, that'll mean that Ahsoka's episode is probably just one, and I'm going to be a little frustrated with that, too. As long as it's not like she just shows up in the last three minutes of episode eight. Like, that's, <laughs> that's just brace yourselves for that very real possibility. Yeah. All right? I'm going to be very like, excited. Yeah. I mean, I think we're going to see a little bit more of the Mandalorians. I think they'll show up one more time this season, probably. <laughs> right. I think Moff Gideon is probably, there's probably going to be some big showdown with him. At the end of the season. And I think Ahsoka could either show up kind of soon or like a little ways down. Did did uh, did Bo-Katan give them a planet? They said to look for her in this particular place, right? I think they did, yeah. And I think the the the, the stuff I was reading online was that the, he's he's supposed to be on the journey to go meet, to go where Bo-Katan said he's supposed to go. Right. So, so I, th- I mean, you know, it could be planet hopping on the way, refueling, whatever. Or it could be next episode. Right. Right. And one one other person in the in the chat wrote in with the idea that what we might see is Ahsoka Tano having a duel with Moff Gideon using the Darksaber, which 
that could be pretty great. I would love that. Um, yeah, I feel like that won't go well for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, because, like, if you think Cara Dune's badass, like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wait for Ahsoka Tano. Well, like, and it's one thing that I, I do hope they're going to get into somewhat, which is that in a lot of the canon, the clear indication seems to be that, like, to really use a lightsaber well, you have to know the... You have to be versed in the Force. Mm-hmm. And, I, and yeah. you know, again, I hope it's not going in this direction. I hope it is more of a clone thing. But maybe that is why Moff Gideon wants to... You know, he wants to become a Jedi. Um, yeah, sure. I, yeah. Huh. He's got Jedi envy. Yeah. <laughs> or Sith envy, maybe. I was like, Jedi, I think he wants to guy, become a Sith. He only wears black. <laughs> yeah. He wants to be a Force user, <laughs> not a yeah. Jedi. That's what I want to be. I just want to be a Force user. So one other key piece of fan feedback, and this asks a very important question that I, I, I want to sort of put you both on the spot and see what you think about. Uh-oh. Uh, Jordan Metro writes... Can we please get a breakdown of the Lego Star Wars holiday special that just dropped in Disney Plus? It is by no means canon. It's meant for kids in a lot of way. But there's a whole bunch of really fun callbacks and references that made me laugh. I'd love to hear you guys talk about it, too. Hope to get a cast on it soon. So, will we cast... Can we wait a- till Christmas? Because yeah. that seems like such a fun I, Christmas thing I, to do. I, I right? feel like that should be seasonal. Yeah. Like, after the last Mandalorian episode, right? When's that mm-hmm. going to be... Oh, that's going to be near the end of the year, right? There's four more. There's like five more weeks in the year, six more weeks. Yeah, I, I, I will happily commit to watching that and having that episode drop like December 21st, December 22nd, you know, sometime around then. Yes. That seems appropriate. Yeah. Or like the 24th or 25th, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe other people actually want to do things on Christmas. <laughs> that's, that's entirely <laughs> it's not possible. really my jam, but whatever. Entirely um, possible. Lot, I have a log to burn. <laughs> you know, all the Lego stuff is now. I do think we should actually watch both holiday specials and do a kind of compare huh. and contrast on them. I think I might have more trouble getting people to watch the original holiday special. I I think so. Here, you can have people watch that with you, and I'll have people watch Solo with me, and we'll kind of like A B test it. Okay, that that sounds like a good possibility. <laughs> Ashley, you can decide what side you're going to fall down on. I'm going to go Christmas special. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, the old I don't, I don't need to see Solo again. I'm, I'm to cool. Be, to be clear, the old Christmas special. The, I'll watch, yeah, old yeah. and new. Yep. <laughs> I think even back then they called it a holiday special, not a Christmas special. They did. But. It's in a Weird Al uh, video. <laughs> well, and, and it should be remembered that Luke, ha- Luke Hamill, Mark Hamill himself <laughs> said <laughs> that um, he referenced how incredibly bad it was when saying that the only thing he's seen worse was the um, Trump at the Republican de- at the presidential debate. So he's such a treasure. Even the actors are not claiming it's the best, but it, it holds a special place in my heart. So, yes, we will have a lot of um, holiday specialing, but I'm, I'm super excited for the Lego thing. I think I think Lego Batman is one of the best Batmans I've seen. Frankly, it's I think Will Arnett is fantastic. <laughs> it's a total parody, but it's brilliant. He's also a Canadian national treasure. Yes. Yes. Also true. Also true. All right. Um, any other last things about this episode before we wrap up? I have a question. Shoot. Are Are we supposed to think that one of Mando's friends put a tracking device on his ship? One of the mechanics, I think. It was the mechanics? Okay. Yeah. I thought he was just like someone on the inside. I was like, uh-oh. No friends. Yeah. I was yeah. worried for a second. I, I didn't. I was like, oh, because it wasn't been Cara Dune. <laughs> no, and and I don't think it was grief. I think I think it was one of the. And there was like a little bit of a weird side eye at the beginning when Mando showed up. I was like, oh, they definitely are having Spies. some thoughts. Yeah, you know. And and yeah, I think one of them was the one who who planted the homie beacon. Okay, I missed the Which, side eye. Also, so a new hope. Yes. Yep. We let them get away. They said exactly. better work. 
<laughs> You're right. It, it's, it's so, so New so Hope. Funny. I also liked seeing. I liked seeing Moff Gideon on basically a, de- uh, a Star Destroyer. Um, and I think this. Yeah, they brought out the. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think this goes to what you were talking about before, Ashley, about the the voices that we heard. Or maybe even Paul. In season one, the definite feel I got was when I saw the stormtroopers was these are not Imperial stormtroopers anymore. These are like mercenaries. These are guys who were in the military, got kicked out, and now they're getting paid to help guard this guy who they maybe knew from their Imperial days, but they don't have the Imperial discipline anymore. They don't have the, you know, rigid, like fear of the emperor, fear of Darth Vader. They're just, you know, kind of soldiers of fortune type things. Right. This felt much more like official stormtrooper stuff and like seeing the Star Destroyer and all that. It felt like last time that was like Imperial hangers on. This mm-hmm. is like this is the actual still remnants of the Empire still still chilling, still seeing what they can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and kind of hiding out and like you know, like the you know, the pilot says, like Appa says, like there's something going on out here. You know, in the core systems, they don't believe it or they don't see it. But, like, I know, you know, there's something going on out here. Right. <laughs> Did that also, that whole scene, especially at the very beginning of Grief saying, you know, I wish they would just stop, kind of come out to the outer rim. Did you get serious Firefly vibes from that? Mm-hmm. Yes. His ship even kind of reminded me of the Firefly ship in oh, this episode. It, yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, I mean, if there was a single show that this was the most like that's not... Star Wars, it's it's like Firefly, Firefly right? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. The Western it, themes it, and all definitely, that. Yeah, space Western, basically. Yeah. All right. Um, what, oh, just the one thing that I would like to add. Um, one thing I would like to add is uh, just in terms of kind of like canceling people, like I don't want to live in a world where like Mark Hamill doesn't get work because he dunked on the U.S. president. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't yeah. want to live in a world where we don't get to have Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Ta- as ah. I don't want to live in a world where we don't get to have Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano or whatever other characters because she has, you know, very leftist political views, very progressive political views. And there are things that I don't think should be political views, mm-hmm. right? But, like, unfortunately, we, you know, in the United States, we live in a country where these are political views held by a large segment of the population. And I think it's a very, very difficult um, question, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I think, to me, I always find it very funny when folks on the right wing get very oppressed, very opposed to this, because I feel like what we're doing here is the essence of free market capitalism, you know, which is one of the few times mm-hmm. I'll defend that system. Mm-hmm. Somewhere Matthew right. Carroll's ears just perked up. and was like, aha! Um, <laughs> you know, because... All the time, folks on one side will say, oh, that character, that actor came out as gay or, you know, that that person did this thing about Black Lives Matter. We don't want to watch their movies anymore. That's fine. You can choose where you want to put your money. And I feel like for sure to me, that's the best way that, you know, whatever gets called cancel culture. And I really don't like that name. But to me, that's that's its best version is when it's people still get everyone gets to make that decision. And so it's if someone else says they don't want to. Uh, like this actor because they support BLM, you can do that. But for me, it'll be the opposite. If you're posting a lot of things about how, you know, BLM are, are rioters, I, I'm i probably not going to give you any of my money. And, yeah. you know, because you're right. I, I am happy with that kind of environment and with, I think, much more folks on, who go to these movies are going to be on one side. And so it might might have that effect. But, what? yeah, I wouldn't want something where Disney then says, 
okay, if you sign a contract for us, that means you can't tweet anything about anything. Um, right. You know, I, I, I think that's certainly a danger that we could go to is that Disney just does the like, fine, we're, we're nothing from anyone. Right. Yeah, I th- I think we could do a whole episode on this on yeah. superhero ethics. I think we should. Yeah, I we've touched on it before, but I think it'd definitely be a good one to to come back to. So let's definitely plan to do that. Um, Regardless, I think whoever we have less of, we should have more Paul Sun Young Lee. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> I would really like that. Yeah, and whose name I hope I'm not butchering. I'm trying my best. Uh, if anyone has any corrections, I will take them. Awesome. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Um, and I think, honestly, I really like that idea where it's not even as much like I'm not going to give my money to this person. It's, oh, you know, look at what um, all the stuff that Chris Evans is saying. Like, I really support what he's doing. I want to give money to any project he's involved with. You know, that that to me is a great way that we can also look at this. So, yeah. Yeah, this is a great conversation. Uh, that part of it, I think we'll move over to superhero ethics for an episode sometime sometime soon. But for now, um, kind of thank you both. Ashley, I know you've been doing some uh, episodes recently on the MCU cast. Talk to, talk to us a bit about that. Yeah, when Jeff was busy moving, Matt and I covered the run of Hulu's Hellstrom. So come over there for our very controversial tea on that show. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Oh, man. <laughs> if, if, if anyone thinks that the MCU cast is just about, like, kissing kissing Marvel's butt and always loving everything, like, there's there's definitely some stuff in, uh, that Jeff and Matt and, and now you have disagreed with. And I think that's awesome. I think it's it helps remind people mm-hmm. that, um, you know, these podcasts are not just about talking about the great things. I love Star Wars like it's my religion, but I'm going to critique the things I think aren't good. I'm glad that you guys can, you know, talk honestly about that show and if if there are parts of it you didn't like. And Paul, I know you've been taking the the Twitch stuff and the YouTube stuff that you've been doing for a little while and really trying to kick it into a higher gear with something pretty big kind of coming out in a couple weeks. You want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, I'm streaming every day around noon Pacific time and uh, on Twitch I'm twitch.tv slash zen madman and you can find me various other places as zen madman i stream a lot of poker i stream some chess and some other you know uh sort of intellectual pursuits like language learning and some geography games and whatever and uh, my theme is mostly about just learning you know trying to exploring the universe and trying to understand as many things and you know, develop skills and knowledge and kind of also just talk about how we go about developing skills and knowledge. So, um, you know, come check it out. And uh, it's kind of interactive too, which is fun. You know, it's always nice when people say hi, oh, um, you know, ask questions, stuff like that. Yeah, I've been popping up there a couple of times. We actually did a video of uh, you and me analyzing a chess game that I played and I really dig your approach to learning, and I think what what you're doing on there, uh, I know a lot more of this is coming soon, is really just talking about how you learn these things and how how people can learn them. And I think it's a really exciting project, so I'm excited to see where that goes. Uh, That's awesome. I don't know how to do either of those things. I'm definitely going to (laughs) watch. Awesome. Yeah, you definitely should. They're really good. And to everyone listening, would love to hear your thoughts. Is Moff Gideon the beginnings of where Snoke comes from? Is he trying to create stormtroopers who can actually hit something? Uh, what do you think about Cara Dune and Gina Carano? What do you think about the baby stealing snacks? Is he going to be the worst schoolyard bully we've ever seen? What's your take? Um, you can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, or email. All that information is if you go to strandedpanda.com and then click on the Star Wars Universe podcast, look for the two microphones crossed like lightsabers right over the rebellion symbol. Um, you can also find there great stuff about other podcasts we do, my superhero ethics podcast, PandaVision, which both me and Ashley are on a bunch, the MCU cast, which Ashley has been doing a lot of, doing some great stuff there, 
on other content about Star Trek, DC Universe, uh, all sorts of other things. So on behalf of myself, Paul, and Ashley, thank you all so much. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Jeff has spoken. (laughs) (laughs) Just wait till the child gives someone a force wedgie. That's all. (laughs) Perfect. He's like, try to put me in time out. And we're out.